so so um so to so to tie in on uh, on our previous question, um I I'd like to ask um, I'd like to ask uh, this uh, next question. Um we we we've touched on we touched on um the uh you know the um, the transition and the and and the uh, and obviously the suffering and um, injustices uh, from from chattel enslaved chattel enslaved and, um, Africans um, all the way to their descendants, um, you know those who are descendants of the systematic government, um, you know of oppression, um, you know black codes, Jim Crow, redlining. Um, you know the the, the literal uh, destruction of black communities, racist medical malpractice, the war on drugs, mass incarceration. You know you you run down that line. Police brutality, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you touched on um, how um, you know how this may how this may blur the lines um, of actually solving the problem of, of financial freedom. Or solving the problem of actually financially catching financially catching up to our our more um, you know our more uh, stable uh, white uh, counterparts. Um, so I guess this question would be you know um, do you do you do you truly feel that the reparations are um, you know are so long overdue um, you know um, that you know this this debt needs to be paid now. If so, how and why? Would it, how and why it would benefit the country? You touched on that. Um, do you still do do either of you feel that um, that the reparations have been long overdue, or you feel that um, you feel that um, that we're you know that we've reached the point of no return? Right, here's my real answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think that um, that we there's there's a book that Dr. King wrote, which is why we can't wait. I just don't think we we can afford to wait. I can't. I don't think we can afford to depend on the idea of reparations being something that will offer us some sort of equality in our mind or some sort of psychological comfort, some sort of catharsis for something that happened in the past. I, I think it's more important for us to start to find ways to see ourselves in a more healthy manner. Um, and, and to echo something Brittany said is to, to have some sort of connection to um, the diaspora, uh, the African continent, and the people um, that are connected to it. I think that is our true reparations. I think that to plant ourselves as both Africans and American, um, finding a way to connect ourselves to, to, to Africa, but also to not forfeit what we've done here in America. Um, and and I think that is really the beginning of a certain amount of healing and self-love that is not dependent on being dependent on um, the umbrella of America accepting us. I don't think we need to look for financial 
um, economic, social uh, acceptance. I think it's more important for us to accept and love ourselves and create a form of power that's both self-driven but also economically, education and social, sociologically and really mentally as well, spiritually, all of that. Um, by not thinking that things that are from Africa are, are hideous or evil or horrible or awful or, or desolate. Um, Africa is one of the, it's actually the richest place and resource in the entire world. But come to find out people treat it as if it's nothing because the only way to have an empire is to have cheap labor. So Africa is the source of that. You know, um, well, maybe, just maybe, we can have pride in that country and connect to it, build, be global citizens, have business here, have business there, bridge the gap, be in love with what we are, who we are, and, and why we are, and not be angry or not feel like as we've been forfeited here. We don't have to forfeit anything. Let's embrace all of being of American and African. And maybe that'll help other people from other countries or um, other cultures in America to say, oh, yeah, we can connect to ourselves and not have to wait for this government to say you're good enough. That we already are. Um, I, I want to I wanna, um, echo back on what you're saying. I want to give you that. I want to... Um, I want to ask you a further question about this, uh, Dwight. So, so, um, so we, so we've kind of touched on, you know, this notion of, you know, what 40 acres and a mule would mean in today's context. Um, how we should, how we should um, work um, to economically pick ourselves up. Um, so. Do you think that reparations could come in another form other than money? Um, at least for at, at least through programs or or uh, grants, um, maybe for uh, maybe maybe for uh, constructive efforts um, for uh, for for black uh, for black businesses, black organizations. Your thoughts? I I wish we would learn how to fish. I wish um, maybe there would be programs that would teach black youth the same things that they taught maybe just in the 70s and 60s when my dad was in, in school or before they even were in the college. There's carpentry. You know, there's trades. There's skills that you can have that you can actually become a business person that can actually rebuild your own community. Um, and having some form of value in, in having skill to actually create and have business. But it, it seems as if there's kind of this, um, this, this, you're either like really, really poor or you have to go into enormous debt to go to college and perhaps in potentially be rich or well, where's kind of the middle ground. It's, it's starting to also be squeezed out with the way that um, there's pressures happening on um, 
on digital media and trying to make money in this world. Well, well, anyhow, how how do you uh, have a proper uh, dispensation for a community that doesn't necessarily know what to do with coming into great wealth or being kind of uh, economically and uh, desolate? That's a that's a. I'm talking as a community. This is. I, I think we have to learn what to do with money. Like, and, it's, and, and if we're going to be in America, you have to learn how to deal with money in America, right? Um, I, I, <laughs> we got to learn what money is. We got to learn investments. We got to learn about life insurance. We got to learn about, about like, how do you create and pass down generational wealth? You know, um, to me, that's, you know, really where it, it it has to begin, because land. I mean, whose land are we going to take? Like, like every the land is taken now, and no one wants to give up any in in this country. I mean, I suppose there's lots of land in Alaska that's kind of still that's <laughs> kind of wild, but I, I don't think they're going to give that up. And even Native American lands, they're fighting over over that. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's very difficult to imagine there's going to be some land that's going to happen, and America's deeply in debt, so I doubt that they want to print out money. And what would be the uh, equivalent of a mule, which I suppose in an agricultural society, if we look at it as now, it has to be something that generates business. What maybe give all black people some stocks, stock options? I don't know. I mean, that maybe. You know, I, 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 that wouldn't hurt. I, but, but how about how, how about you, Brittany? Um, Brittany and Dan, what do you what do you think? Uh, do I think? <laughs> Let me see. Do I think that? Um, that, that, that reparations could come in in, in a you know in a, in a in a in another form um, other than just uh, money payout like grants other coming yeah in. yeah I definitely do um, I think they could come in grants I think they could come in programs um, I think they could come in many forms um, I think they could come in forms of reconstructing neighborhoods. Uh, better schools, um, definitely better schools, better books. Um, we definitely need that. Um, our, our schools are horrible. Um, uh, that's because the taxes in our neighborhoods are so low. So, of course, the schools are going to be bad. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that. Um, so, yeah, I agree with my brother on that. Dan, yeah. you want to share? Sure. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a matter of putting resources into black communities. And I would also say as well is pushing tremendously hard also with those who are in power, bringing people, people of color more on 
in, in placement of like, say, for example, like government and um, those who become more in charge, because this maybe it's just my personal perspective, it, it would be good to bring the resources to the communities, but I feel that it makes an even stronger impact when the people who are bringing those resources also reflect the communities themselves. Um, to put it completely blunt, it just feels that it would be, it's not, dis I don't want to say disingenuine, but it feels like it would be a little bit more sour if it was like, say, overwhelmingly a white government coming in saying, here's some resources for this black community. I feel that it would be more impactful if the government was much more diverse, heavily people of color, especially black community members, and they go in and they help the communities as well. Maybe that's just, again, that's more my personal perspective, but I definitely agree that it significantly needs to be, um, like like um, I believe Brittany mentioned, like updating and making sure that the history books are more fair, not as whitewashed, going into giving in the resources financially. I think it's a multifaceted way of approaching it, and I think that's, that's my take on it, is not only give the resources, but push to bring those people into the power structure itself as a whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I know we have a couple more questions um, to, uh, actually we have like a one or two more questions to ask, but I just wanted to throw this one in. Um, you know, we've we, we really touched on, you know, um, you know, community development, um, making things better, um, um, you know, um, maybe in, like reintegrating and re reestablishing um, those those educational and and um, and um, and uh, financial uh, resources. Um, we have we have progressives in government who are working towards that, but um, I want to kind of tie this in and 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 ask. Um, as far as reparations go, now we're in a climate where um, a lot of people are losing their jobs, they're losing their health insurance, um, and um, our Congress is slowly becoming more and more progressive. And it's, 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 um, it's a slow fall, but it is leaning towards a more populist um, group of people who, um, who could potentially uh, help to implement programs to help everyone. And, um, Here's my question um, regarding this. Do you believe that now with COVID-19 and so many people who maybe were privileged in the past um, experiencing tremendous losses, do you feel that this is um, a tipping point where a lot of the, a, a lot of the playing field of need um, is, is basically being even? Mm, that's a very interesting question. Ironically, yeah. 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 What? What a great question. I I do think that some of the speeches that happened recently during uh, the last thirty to fifty days have been about you know the souls of America uh, coming to grips with you know uh, the mythology of America versus the truth of what America is. You know. As a little kid, I used to think of America being almost like Star Trek, like this sort of starship enterprise where you get all these different people from these different cultures. You get all the greatest minds and, you know, all the different people together. And, 
and and suddenly you can you can come together in a place like Congress or and and all these beautiful minds from all these different places can come together and create solutions that are equitable for everybody and, and maybe even the world almost like a a, a a continent that's like the United Nations it was supposed to be ideally right but it it doesn't it just doesn't pan out like that right now and um and, and perhaps you know prayerfully you know maybe the next generation the one to follow can maybe bring some of those things to pass but i i do think that it's because of how the world has changed it it has forced us to look at things differently um but unfortunately there's silos of class and race that are in the way and um and and the more people are being afraid they're not talking and we're not having a conversation where we can acknowledge each other's humanity and 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 then there's not an opportunity for us to have these this starship enterprise moment and you know and so if we were able to kind of have like legitimate, real, honest conversations about our humanity and what we need as people, as a country, as a, as a group, and as individuals, I, I think it is possible. But it's, I, gotta, I gotta be honest, this is, it's really hard right now. It's really hard. Extremism seems to breed more extremism and people are kind of pushing in, 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 in harder directions until we talk. I'm not sure how easy that's going to be right now. Which part of the humanity are you talking about? Uh, the type of humanity that says, I'm going to listen to you, and then uh, I'm going to allow another person to have something good happen to them. I think people get afraid if, like, there's reparations feels like it's off the table because there's so many other people suffering. That's really what I'm getting at. That's me kind of not beating around the bush is that – um all of a sudden, if we were to say reparations for black Americans, there are going to be, uh, let's just be honest, like uh, a large group of white Americans are in a lot of trouble right now, financially, you know, uh, in terms of the health, the, the opioid thing right now, it's, it's rough. There's a lot of people that are committing suicide between the ages of 15 and 25, I mean, and 55, you know white men specifically, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Well, if they just all of a sudden want to just give <laughs> a group of black people a whole lot of money and a whole lot of land, I think that would yeah. be, that'd be problematic at, the, at this period of time in history. I don't think that's a, this is, this is bad timing for that. So, um, Look, yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, that's just my opinion. I, I don't think this is I bad time So, so, um, but I feel like any time reparations is on the table, they, there's always an excuse as to why it shouldn't be um, passed. There, there's always something. It's always like, well, 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 my, I didn't do it. My grandparents didn't do it. So why should you get it? Why should, why should you benefit from it? There's always an excuse as to why it shouldn't be passed. So I, I, I kind of would, would push back on that a little bit. 
So, because even when it was brought up in 2004, they were pushing back on it. So, I mean, I would, I would always push. I, I, I'm not saying I would always push back on it. I'm just pushing back on it now. But I just, I feel like there's always an excuse. Any, I kind of feel like anything that benefits black people is an excuse. That's why I'm kind of like, I don't even get why reparations is ever brought to the table, because they throw it away. Anytime anything about black people is brought to the table, it's always thrown under the pile. I almost am like, they don't care. I, 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 don't, I mean, I hate to be pessimistic, no, I'm but it's, it's, it's the truth. I, I don't want to be so frustrated that I that I throw my hands up, but I I will say this that that um for example uh, the Jewish community they'll mm-hmm. send their kids they'll send their kids to school and then in their own community they'll teach their kids the ways of of their people you know they'll they'll mm-hmm. teach them and and that's something that they do internally. You know, yeah. I, I I think that that's important, and um, that's something yeah. that I think that we are missing in our community. You know. Well, I agree. I agree, and we would too. But we had, but what we've had like four forms of genocide. We've had genocide physically, where they killed us. We've had our language taken. We've had our religion taken, and our culture taken. So we would do that, but unfortunately, we don't know that. So I mean, I, I would. We would love to do that, but. We, we, we don't know it. I would love reparations. Um, I just want it to be useful. I don't want it to dig us into a hole that's not benefiting. And I suppose if they do it. I agree. And, and, and then they, could, they can say, see, we gave it to you. You didn't do anything with it. That's on you now. I, I kind of feel like there's a threat of that, you know. It's like, I agree. You know. <laughs> Like we gave you reparations, you gave it away, you know, and and then it's like it's your fault, you know, and and I'm like, well, wait a minute, we <laughs> we don't know what to do. I agree. Know? Like y'all and, y'all rolling in them benzes, but look. And and that's how come I'm saying that there needs to be a certain <laughs> elevation of of mind and of of we kind of have to understand something about ourselves before we. You know, because money just amplifies what's already in you. You know, you're going to... But anyway. Okay. I agree. I agree. So, so uh, thank you all for those those, those responses. I think um, one of the things I've always wondered is, I think, to, to, to kind of piggyback on um, Clarity's point, one of the things I've learned in this time of COVID is what we were always taught is that time is money, you know? And for me, I've been learning that it's like, no, money is time. Time existed before money. And when you are your own business person, the biggest challenge is what is an hour is your time worth? You know, like if you, like my wife, she does beading by hand with thread and needles and sourcing crystals. And how does she properly price the time she took to make such a quality product? So to me, when I think about the topic of reparations, it isn't just about money. You know, if we have 400 plus years of oppression for black people, then maybe there has to be 400 plus years of repair done through the system, whether that's in taxes and resources given, because 
it's a, it's the life it's the t the life of that person how much time was that lost for every individual that was lynched every individual that was redlined every individual that was harassed and discriminated against and abused and sent to jail unjustly or wasn't given proper justice in the um in the criminal justice system you know how many um Ahmaud Arbery's do we leave, lose or Breonna Taylor's or George Floyd's or even um young man that was in Texas who was just sitting and eating ice cream and he was a nice young man he happened to have a decent family you know that loved and cared for him how many black people had to grow up with a lot of personal issues that were affected by the racial history but then their family members own decisions and still rise above all of that to try to contribute to society how many of those blessings did our American society lose so if we really want to talk about reparations I mean do people think time may be more important as far as those programs, as far as, you know, taxes and maybe paying a lower rate or maybe, maybe that ought to be the focus is time. What, what kind of time are we, we talking about? So, so like if, if black people have land and they got to pay property taxes, maybe they don't, maybe they don't have to pay it. Or if they do, they pay a lower rate than, you know, everyone else does, even though they get the same services or, uh, for a certain amount of time, you know, you have not that I'm a favor of, of the police state per, state per se, but you have to have some type of protection for the black communities that build up wealth for the ma for the majority of America. So that way they can also benefit from our work, from the work, because everybody's benefited from black people's work from slavery on, but except black people. So that way the community isn't so easily bombed. It's, it's just, it's just to me, the focus on money in a capitalist society never seems to be the answer. I remember one conservative black person on a, um, on a new show, Roland Martin Unfiltered, has said, give me the land and give me the right to license for cannabis, for CBD oil since you put us in jail all this time. That's the equivalent of a mule. And I'm like, I think time is, is the reason I bring up time is because I don't think you could put a price on the pain and the suffering of anybody. And, um, and then just say, we paid for it, it's over. You know, that, that's an insult to anybody. I think anybody black, whether they're on the right or the left, can agree to that. So maybe time of what was lost and a way to increment time and grandfather it in going forward for future generations is the way to do it because it's a generational effect. Maybe it's sort of, maybe it's sort of a 300-year uh, plan. Yeah, like... And then, and then you, and you can include like, okay, we know that everybody was who's in America that's black didn't necessarily, their ancestors go through slavery. Some of them were immigrated here, but from the time they were here, they experienced Jim Crow laws or experienced the discrimination from the war on drugs, which is why the question was kind of, was kind of like written that way, um, to include all these different um, African diaspora groups, so that way they're not pitted against one another, even though we recognize the differences of those experiences. So you have the people who are descendants from slaves, you have the people who are descendants of slaves all the way from Jim Crow to now. And it's just the way that we implement these programs to make sure that they're done. But I, I do largely agree with Dwight on the real reparations has to start with us on the inside and connecting with ourselves and our freedom not being dependent upon one individual or a group or nation. 
But if we're going to have this program and we're going to do it right, then we're not get pigeonholed. It's just with money. So I don't know. I just thought I'd throw the idea of time being out there because I think time is always more valuable than money. And since we're sitting with people's lives, there's a lot of time and opportunity that was taken in loss. So, yeah. So I guess that's my two cents, and I just kind of want your thoughts on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. From you or Dan or Brittany or 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 new or new or uh, Clarity rather. Um, I do think time is a is a big deal. Um, when we, when we were talking about like a 300 year plan, it it I couldn't help but think about like the line in the Willie Lynch letter that talks a little bit about if some of these ideologies were implemented it will control the mind of the slave and its descendants for 300 years. It's a, it, it's the, the mindset of, of, of kind of perpetual poverty is, um, is kind of what I believe needs to be broken, kind of like how you see yourself in, in, a, in a world, in a society. And, and I think that a part of that may be connected to just being under the umbrella of this country. I think we, too many black, People have never left their city or their state, or, or definitely not the country. And it's just kind of you need to see what the world is like, and perhaps how other people live in other places. And just maybe, just maybe you can see yourself in a different, a different way, um, in 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 your community, in your government, in your country, and in this world. You know, um, and yes, it takes money and it definitely takes time. Um, I, I would love for uh, if there was some form of reparations to include kind of a, a time that that would deal with like uh, business owners and mortgages and things that would give you time to to manage your money in a different manner. I, I, I think that'd be a a fantastic idea for those who could take advantage of it. I think it would be a completely valuable resource. Absolutely. Thank you. Anybody else want to get on before we go to the last question? No, I actually. All right. Actually, get the mail on the head. Oh, thank you. All right, so I guess we'll go to the last question. Um, how did it feel just sharing all this, uh, all your ideas, your opinions, and feelings on this topic? And name one thing that someone said that touched you. It was really fun being in a forum of uh, of intellects like this. Each each one of you, I feel like I know you all a little bit better now. Even though I haven't met any of you in person, some of you in person, I, I feel kind of a connection to you all um, in terms of uh, really humanity uh, and and just the ability to kind of love myself and love you guys as well. I, I don't think that the problems that we have are germane to just people of that are black or people of color, but we're all Americans and we've all, you know, and our ancestors have contributed to the benefit of this country. And I think everybody deserves to be counted. Um, and I think that will make us more like the enterprise, right? <laughs> and so thank you for this, this opportunity to, uh, 
to think kind of on a higher vibration like this today. <clears throat> so thank you all. Appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, same. It was fun getting to understand both of your point of well, everyone's point of view. And um everyone, you know, chiming in and giving everybody's perspective and you know, you guys being patient as my daughter stomps around upstairs. <laughs> And, um, you know, just kind of understanding everybody's perspective. I enjoyed it. And um, kind of everybody challenging one another. It was nice. And I, like I said, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, Dan, here. This was beautiful hearing perspectives, like just listening into the history and seeing how the past still affects us today, and there was definitely a lot of pinpoints that really stuck out to me, like the question of how do we approach reparations in today's world? How do we approach it financially? How do we bring the resources? And there was a discussion earlier hearing how the pandemic has really hit everybody and... Um, how how do we move forward as a society from that? Because the pandemic kind of, the way I look at the pandemic is it, it feels like it became the magnifying glass on what was already here. It's just now it's like front and center. And one thing that does give me hope personally, and this is something that I've, I started to notice, especially up where I grew up, um, I feel that the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement really hit hard for a lot of people who grew up in very isolated societies, like myself. Um, I think, and this is a bit of a theory that I have, is that the pandemic itself forced the world to stop. And sadly, many people did lose their jobs and companies and businesses and whatnot. And then when we all went into quarantine, a lot of people were kind of like, what are we going to do? Well, they look at the news to see what's going on in the world. And then after the death, of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the countless, countless other, other victims, I've noticed a massive shift, at least in my personal community. Um, they held their very first Black Lives Matter march, and there were thousands of people up in this tiny little town. Like, I live in a very rural country about an, almost an hour away from the city environment, and I think it opened up the dialogue that was way overdue. A lot of people start realizing how and why this movement matters. And then people start asking questions about fiscal history. They started learning about redlining of the districts. They started looking at how laws were put into places. And they started putting puzzle pieces together where it wasn't just, I love all humanity and the like peace and love, which is completely valid. But now there was more weight to it where people were educating themselves or having difficult conversations. Um, I've, I've been seeing, especially in white circles, a lot of movement of how do we become more diverse and inclusive. They've been reaching out to people of color. They've been reaching out to um, like credible sources, like talking to professors. And it, it's, it's definitely very impactful. And seeing it on the world level is tremendous. And if I'm not mistaken, the movement actually is nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. So 
There, there's a lot of hope. That it is. That it is. Yes. So. Thank you. I, I, I just wanted. I'm sorry if you had anything else to say. I just wanted to confirm. Yes, the Black Lives Matter movement is nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Oddly enough. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I'm definitely um, agreeing with um, pretty much everything that everyone uh, touched on, and um, I think that um, I think that it's very important to us for us to, to, to not uh, dismiss the fact that we live in we do live in the richest country in the world, and right now the large swaths of our population are not feeling the well. Um, they're not receiving the well. And we have to judge um, what it means to be American by how our most uh, needy and most dire um, populations are being treated. Um, and so when we look into this, you know, we, we know um, we know that uh, the African-American community, um, uh, children, um, particularly um, you know, young, young, um, young um, preschoolers and elementary schoolers um, who don't have access to, uh, whose parents don't have access to daycare, um, many of them um, you know, living paycheck to paycheck themselves, and many of them very young parents as well, and then, of course, um, our elderly and our homeless. And when we look, when we shine the light on that, um, that that more than anything else is in need of reparation. So that would be my thought on that. If we can bring, if we can bring those, if we can bring those populations up out of the, you know, up out of. Um, the um, you know the extreme uh, circumstances that they're in, um, we will all rise together. And I don't I don't think that there's anything wrong with um, with us as a community rolling up our sleeves and you know rolling up our sleeves and grabbing our tools and digging in. But we cannot dismiss the fact that we are a community and that we are a part of a democratic society, a republic in which we've uh, hired representatives to make sure that we get those resources. And we can't we can't give up um, we can't give up um, pushing for, for for the receipt of those resources. And I think that I think that um, federal programs, um, statewide programs. Are um, something as, as Dwight talked touched on, you know, um, making sure that we bring a lot of the skill trades and a lot of the um, a lot of the things that um, will help will help young people um, enter into adulthood more prepared. Um, we'll will we'll do you know we'll we'll do um, miles and miles of of, of, um, of our, um, we'll be miles and miles ahead um, just by doing these things. So um, I think that COVID-19 really, really shined a light on, um, on that. And um, I asked the question about that because um, I really do think that 
a lot of um, a lot of our white counterparts um, didn't they didn't come face to face with how privileged they were until they saw that you know until they saw that rug coming out from under them and I was just let that go yes and I again I thank everybody for being here and talking and to piggyback off of what Clarity said I, I think the rug was slowly being picked up under them kind of by them and the things they voted for and they believe they had to vote for to prevent other people from getting things because there's this mindset of if I have if, if somebody else has something that means I will have nothing that was one of the biggest parts of reconstruction that there is black excellence that means if there's not white supremacy there's black supremacy and really black people don't really think like that <laughs> it's like um i'm just doing my own thing just res respecting my own space and doing my thing and staying in my lane and i think that once COVID happened like you said it just it it, it, it just shut everything down like you and dan said and so i'm just grateful for this conversation and i do believe you know the self-empowerment especially in the skills trades I think the number one thing that all of us as Americans who are in the bottom 99%, but in particular in the black community and in our indigenous and brown brothers and sisters, but for the purposes of this topic, the black community, we definitely need to care about the means of production because freedom, and that's our next topic coming up, is the liberation. What does that mean for black people and all of our different identities and gender and, and, and class and whatnot? In reality, you can't say you're truly free just because you're giving some choices. You have to be able to create choices. And I think that the only way you can really master democracy is by having a culture of it and practice it and doing it. That's how people learn, even if they're ignorant of it. And we have to give the opportunity for people to do that. Cause if you don't, um, it, it'll never happen. So having those skill trades, and being able to have that power to produce and create choices, because that's what our ancestors did in Reconstruction, was build their own institutions, create their own world that kind of imitated the white institutions, but we just made it for ourselves. And they functioned and they did well. And so, um, but, but just thank you everybody for being here, um, for being so vulnerable, for being honest, and for being uncomfortable. Um, you know, that's how we move forward in society as a, a activist by the name of Daryl Davis, who is a rock and roll uh, musician who gets all the costumes and hoods of Klansmen. He said that even if you're disagreeing, if you're talking, you're talking because when the talking stops, that's when the violence starts. And with the situation we're in right now with extremism, as I believe Dwight mentioned, the talking needs to keep going. So thank you all. And, uh, Claire, do you have anything else in this outro to give? Um, I, I'm just I'm just happy that that you all were able to come and and uh, share in this. It was definitely awesome. Um, we'd like to take the opportunity to thank our guests, uh, Dwight, Brittany, and Dan, um, for for participating in this episode. Um, it was definitely and definitely um, enlightening, and um, probably wouldn't have been. Um, Probably wouldn't have been any better without you. Thank you so much for having us.
Thank you. Excellent. Much. Yes. Wonderful. And just let everybody know our regularly scheduled episodes come out every Saturday. And then we have our hump day PSAs when we feel that there's something that we want to share, do a public servant announcement on Wednesdays. So please share and subscribe where you can find us, where you listen to your podcast, such as Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio. So thank you, everybody, and take care.